Hello again and welcome to the Echo Chamber. This week my guest is Kayode Oki, a final year medical student. I just want to take a few seconds at the beginning of this episode to issue a trigger warning. In the middle segment of this discussion, we will be talking about sexual assault and rape. In view of the recent discussions that have been had on Med Twitter Spaces, some of you may find this discussion quite uncomfortable and quite difficult to listen to, and that's completely understandable. If you want to, I have made it possible for you to skip the section entirely, so please, if you are finding it difficult to listen to, you absolutely have my permission to skip that. It's a short segment, only about 12 minutes or so, but like I said, it does cover some uncomfortable topics, so I hope you appreciate the tone and the manner in which it's discussed. And even if you don't wish to listen to that, that's absolutely fine. Please enjoy the rest of the episode because we do cover quite a few disparate topics. And all in all, I believe it to be a very interesting conversation. So without further ado, Kayode Oki. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber. And today with me, I have Kayode Oki. How are you doing, Kayode? I am wonderful. I am good. I'm currently day two of placement for my final year of med school. I'm ready to be done. I'm ready to be miserable whilst earning money. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> the money helps with the misery, if I'm honest. Exactly. Yeah. To be fair, I'm not going to lie. I am one of those annoying people who actually enjoys it. But like, yeah, don't, don't cancel me, please. Well, well enjoys enjoys the work. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, me, I enjoy the I'm work. I'm not gonna lie. Okay, we all good. Moan about it. But to be fair, like we wouldn't put ourselves through it if um, we didn't actually enjoy it. There are much, much easier ways to make money, uh, and people do. And um, th- so there has to be something uh, of the masochist uh, about someone uh, to keep coming back to it. They must enjoy it for something. They must get some sort of vicarious enjoyment, if not enjoyment directly. So uh, don't believe the hype when people say that they hate the job or whatever it is. We we all love it to a certain degree. Exactly. Otherwise, no one no one would be doing it. So yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And this is the other thing, right? Because you're you know like you said you're a final year medical student. I'm a couple of years into being a consultant. So, but I the <laughs> we are passionate about everything to do with medicine not just the actual art and science behind it the process you mean you you, right yeah me and my producer here ben um we are passionate about medicine because um if we if we didn't care why would we get involved with all this nonsense that goes online and amongst ourselves and all the nonsense politics and why do we get so upset about things if we don't actually want it to be better? I think the people who don't want it to be all happy with the status quo are the ones that are the ones that we should really pity. That's my opinion anyway. That is a very, very good opinion to have. Like, so I've 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 got an idea of a segment 
So, because because you told me I could talk about anything I wanted to talk about, oh, so I decided, you. why not be a complete creep and do a deep dive of your tweets? Okay, I say cool. deep dive, but I I I only went like three days because I, I I literally just had this idea like fifteen minutes ago. So the first one is when people are discussing their home bakes around me and do the ap- apologetic head tilt. I'm sorry, it's not vegan, and I have to do the nod. It's okay, I don't want any. Are you vegan? I am vegan. I know for my. <sighs> It has come up a few times during the podcast, um, especially because whenever I ask people like what they enjoy doing, the, very often people say, oh, I enjoy cooking. And I go, oh, okay, well, I do is that. I do enjoy cooking as well. Uh, but it's changed very much since I've become a vegan. So yes, I am a vegan. I, I think the correct term is predominantly plant-based. I think I started off as being plant-based, which is the dietary choice. Um, but... I think the longer I've been not eating meat, um, because I started not eating meat for um, and dairy for health reasons. And then what was funny was after a course of maybe about 12 to 18 months, I started becoming much more ethical in the way I was thinking. And I I can't tell you exactly why that happened. Um, Maybe it was just being involved with it, following it a bit more on social media and so on and so forth, becoming a little bit more aware of kind of the damage that the food industry does to the planet and the ecosystem. Um, but I have become a lot more vegan in my, I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a fully fledged, you know, animal rights activist vegan, but I'm definitely looking at the way I consume products, not just food and trying to minimize if not eliminate entirely any kind of um, animal products. So yeah, I suppose you could say I'm a, I'm a, I, I am a plant based, plant based, attempting to be vegan, vegan. Wait, so so vegan is not just veganism is not just food then. I didn't no, no, veganism is kind of like um, look, I'm not the one to ask. I'm in no way an expert. Um, but uh, and I wouldn't like I wouldn't claim to be either. Um, but as far as I can tell, it's not it's even though it's presented as a dietary choice, like in menus and things like that, saying it's vegan. Uh, what it really means to be vegan is um, to limit or, in, you know, remove entirely the impact of your existence um, upon the animal world um, to, you know, within reason. Uh, and they they actually have that in the vegan society. They talk about it being within reason, um, uh, because you know things like drugs are tested on animals, which again I'm not particularly happy about. But you know you can't stop people taking medicines based on that kind of thing. So yeah. um, you know if you need to take medicine, if and you're a vegan, you can take that medicine even if it's been. Do you see what I mean? So the society says that even if it has been tested on animals, you should still take that medicine because it's keeping you alive. Um, but if there's another medicine which hasn't been tested on animals, say, then that should go be for that option instead. Option type of thing. So it's it's a whole way of life and not just the dietary choice, which would be more correctly uh, referred to as plant based. But it's the cat's out of the bag, in my opinion, regarding the the language, um, and it's not. It's not a hill that I would die on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there are lots of hills that people do die on. 
uh, and uh, vegans especially because you know we're so protein deficient but um <laughs> which is a myth by the way um <laughs> but that's um uh, yes yes so i am to answer your question in a very very long-winded way i am a you vegan. are a vegan yes. so the next tweet i'm going to bring up is dr who i love I, I love meeting other dr who fans yeah like how deep into who are you so th 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 this is how this is how i'm going to judge a character whether or not this we can is, be friends it's terrible because i really really like doctor who oh that's good i, I really like doctor who I, too. I, that's I really fine like doctor, but i have not seen much i saw the you know the, the reboot of the doctor who's with i can't remember what his name is it was like christopher eccleston is that right the guy who came yes, back yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i watched all of that i watched most of the david tennant because i actually really like david tennant in every much else what he's done as well so i've always appreciated him as a character actor um and i really like the stories i really like the writing i love the kind of budget way it's made it kind of resonates with me growing up and that kind of bbc ethos of um a tv show i love that to my eternal shame i have not watched much of the is it matt jones the the next one i've seen that a few of his and i and matt I actually smith matt smith matt smith, matt oh smith. yeah and i haven't seen any of the the more, more recent one so yeah I, I i think i think i want to be like uh you know one of the cool kids that likes doctor who but i i just can't i can't i wouldn't be able to match anyone who really watches it like in a trivia contest for say so basically you misled us on twitter you misrepresented yourself you know i can't you even remember us... this tweet <laughs> well it, 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 it was it was like oh the last saved um the last celebrity saved to your phone is the new doctor who and you had darkwing duck was your last celebrity saved all right yeah. and and i'm just like so I, I genuinely believed you're like a massive fan of doctor who and i was like oh yes oh, there's more man. of us i'm so disappointed and, i'm so disappointed you just for making you, you feel you, that you, way. You just lied to me. You literally lied. I was I was I was excited about this recording, <laughs> thinking like, you know what, I'm 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 going to make us go on a massive Doctor Who tangent <laughs> and talk loads about Doctor Who and everything. But alas, that's not Coyote, going to happen. The, this is the echo chamber. This is all about you, my friend. If you want to talk about Doctor Who, you go ahead, you educate me about why I am missing out oh, on Oh God, uh, educate Doctor me. Who. That 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 is a triggering phrase. Oh, uh, don't you know? You know what I mean. Come on, we have to talk about... me. Educate me. Like you, I'll you, do my you... best, lion, if you like. Like <laughs> you, you, you know the you, you know the reference. I'm you know what I'm referencing, right? What's that now? Educate me. Yeah, Sharon no, Osbourne. No. Oh right, okay. Oh no. There's like there was, there, was, there was like this bit like um whatever show Sharon Osbourne is on in the US like um. One of the hosts, like a black woman, was talking about like racism or something, and then right. Sharon Osbourne, in her infinite wisdom, decided to scream at her. Well, then educate me, educate me. But uh, to be fair, I think the context of that sounds a little bit racisty. What? Oh I'm... yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> one thousand percent. One thousand percent. What I'm asking you is to tell me about this show you really like. <laughs> I, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not equating Doctor Who to racism. Let, let, let me make that. Let, let me just make that very, very clear. 
Although, has there ever been a black Doctor Who? Now, that's a question. Yes, there has, there actually. Has. Tell me. In the last... Doctor. Um, a female black Doctor, in fact. Oh, my word. But it's she wasn't... I, 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 like, I don't, I don't know if it is part of the normal Doctor Who canon. I don't right. know. Like, like it, the, that storyline hasn't quite resolved itself yet. Right. So I'm waiting for the new season to come out to see if it's will ever resolve itself. But like, it's, yeah. You see, we should get on because even though you're talking about a TV show that I'm not fully au fait with, you're talking about things like story arcs and not being resolved. And this is classic for so many sci-fi uh, TV shows and movies, isn't it? Where they have there's this, this overarching story arc which goes above and beyond the discrete episode or movie that you're watching. And only the people who really are into it understand that there is something bigger at play and you're still waiting for that, like resolution or that catharsis of that story so you know i i even though i'm not a doctor what is a doctor who fan what do you call them whovians oh my Hoovians, god wow i am such a loser wow oh my god <laughs> i've never yeah. heard that term so thank you for that you are educating me on that whovians <laughs> <laughs> um whovians yeah yeah so um but it's funny, isn't it? Because so many of these shows, specifically sci-fi shows, I think, sci-fi and fantasy shows have such dedicated can they? Because um, I grew up, I missed that kind of early Doctor Who phase. So I didn't, uh, what, that had kind of, you know, seen its course when I was growing up. And really? The yeah, yeah, yeah. When when I was growing up, it kind of not. It wasn't as big. Like for my uh, father-in-law's generation, it was a huge thing. So he's a big Doctor Who fan. But from like back in the day, um, and then when I was growing up, the big sci-fi shows were Star Trek. Really big Star Trek, and the the sci-fi movies were a, Star, like the Whoopi Goldberg Star Trek. Yes, the Whoopi Goldberg Star Trek. Yeah. Um, uh, was it uh, The Next Generation and then following that by Deep Space Nine and um, and uh, those were this kind of like Star Trek shows, you know, the, the sci-fi shows that I was really into. So I was a Trekker back in there. Not a Trekkie. That's an incorrect thing. It's not a Trekkie. It's a Trekker. Um, so I was a big Trekker um, when I was younger. Um, and it, as with a lot of these things, like people who don't understand sci-fi shows get het up and go, oh, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Well, of course it's ridiculous. Of course it that's is. That's the point. Like, that's the point. But it, it, it's, it's the stuff it talks about isn't ridiculous. The real, the human stories, the, you know, the um, archetypes that they go, the philosophical questions they are asking, you know, philosophical and spiritual questions they are asking, that's what hooks us. That's what gets us interested and it gets us looking at, you know, looking for where the inspiration for the stories come from. And we learn so much about our world and our history through these ridiculous stories and characters that, you know, make us happy. And, you know, people who don't understand uh, sci-fi fandom, um, I feel are missing out. They might look at I... us like we're the ones that are losers, but we, I don't think that. I think it makes us more interesting as people. 
I would 1000% agree with you because I, I, I do. So the reason I like Doctor Who and like other sci-fi shows and stuff in general is because the graphics don't have to be the greatest for you to still understand what the story is. I kind of feel like um, quote marks sci-fi shows. I did, I did air quotes again. Don't cancel me. Um, <laughs> like, like for example, like the Transformers movie movies like i i despise them because they have yeah, no storyline it's just like crap it. it's literally just crap like like masked with fancy fireworks and nonsense yeah. and like it's really boring like i was like, really like you know what well done for your technical skill yeah but i could have made a better movie in my bedroom yeah yeah and you've got no distort the characters have no depth they you know you don't care about them you know, they're just it, it, like you say. It's just all bells and whistles and no substance at all. Um, and like, and and the other like, so another show that I really like, which is probably a little bit before your time, uh, uh, but you might be into. I don't know. Is Red, and I think that's kind of epitomizes that kind of low budget set. It's set in this like, you know, larger than life setting. But it's, you know, it was filmed in the basement of uh, BBC Centre the first couple of seasons. Um, that's how low budget it was. And yet it still worked because really it was the story and the writing that took it took it forward. You know what? I have never seen Red Dwarf. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, this if, if, if me not watching Doctor Who is uh, a deal breaker, then you not having seen Red Dwarf is a deal breaker from my end because Red Dwarf is fantastic. Um, you know especially what? the first okay, season. Bye. I'm, I'm off now. Bye. <laughs> Coyote, come back. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still here. Don't, don't cry. Oh, good. Oh, dear. Um, yeah, Red Dwarf is 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 fantastic. But again, it's probably I don't know. It's it's difficult to say that this is something you definitely have to watch because it was something I grew up with, and um, so because of that, I have uh, a a nostalgia for it. A nostalgia in the correct sense of the word, not just looking back in in time and going, "Oh, isn't that fantastic?" But like, it gives me a yearning for home. I remember where I was when I used to watch these shows and how it was and how simple life was as well. Um, and how I would like watch an episode and then like sit back and think about it. And it might be the only thing I think about for, you know, days on end. Um, yeah. yeah. This is this interesting. This is an interesting deep dive into tweets that we've been doing. <laughs> oh, right. Do you want me to bring up another one? Okay. Right. Um, Oh, let me do a serious one. Oh no, not the serious ones. Oh, I'm so no, terrible. Let me, see. let me see. Let me see. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, okay. So this one has been deleted, but you you wrote about deleting it, so I feel like I can talk about it. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. It's, carry it's, on. It's 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 the gap yard one. The gap yard. Yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. I knew as soon as you said, it, I knew what it was going to be. Um, yeah. yeah. So, what? Once you, do you have the tweet? Because I, I haven't got it now. Do you remember what it is, or do you want to the uh, original one? Yeah. Oh, I, I honestly, I, I don't like. I think I, I can paraphrase I, I, I'm, it. I'm, I'm, I'm not sad enough to have screenshotted it. I'm okay, sorry. fine. Um, well, <laughs> you want me to paraphrase it? I can't. I want to uh, forgive yeah. anyone. Uh, it thinks it's different, but I, as far as I can remember, it was something along the lines of instead of. 
you know, going off to a poor country on your gap year, why don't people spend a year being actually poor in the United Kingdom, um, but, like, learning to, like, navigate society with no money, essentially, like trying to be on benefits, um, working through, you know, trying to deal with housing authorities, and I can't remember what else it was. There was a couple of points I said, like, do that as in so that giving that experience would serve society better than doing a gap year and then um interestingly it's like someone messaged me about it and it was it was it was a post nights kind of like stream of consciousness tweet i hadn't really thought about it very deeply i was just like yeah it be interesting is these people of means rather than going away and this is the thing I was thinking, more more them doing that kind of, oh, I've been away and I've seen how terrible life is for these people, whatever, and just being that kind of weird voyeuristic, voyeuristic. rather than doing that, try and experience what living in this country is like without having that kind of level of privilege. And so to like, when they, they grow up, and they go to university and then they go to the ballot box they kind of make decisions with that kind of experience in the back of their minds do you see what i'm saying yeah. it, it wasn't a thing of saying oh go and like live with the poor people or like you know the helps common people type thing that isn't really what i meant but then when i reread it i was like ah oh, yeah that might people might see that that think that that's what i'm saying and that's not really what i meant um so that's why i deleted it Okay. Hmm. See, I'm not. I'm still not quite sure. I agree with you, though. Like, well, that's fine. You don't have to agree. Yeah, because I, because I don't know. Am I allowed to swear? Actually, yeah, I'll swear. Okay, right. Because I just kind of feel like you know what, a dickhead is a dickhead, and nothing's ever going to change that. Like, yeah, you're absolutely like, right. Like, I just, I just kind of feel like if you need to go and like literally, literally walk through, like walk. Um, in someone else's shoes for a year in order to not be a douchebag then you're a douchebag I, I, I don't know like I just find yeah. it really we, we, I know I know exactly I like, what you're I know I feel exactly. like we baby people a bit yeah, too much do. like you're, you're it's, it's kind of like people people just don't seem able to apply similar thinking across multiple arenas it's kind of like oh you need to see this example first before mm. you know that xyz is bad and, mm. and i just I, I i personally find that sort of mm. thing really exhausting and i'm just like come on we're all we're all adults we're all clever ish i'm assuming like i i, I kind but of feel like you should be able to know that being a douche <laughs> is beat it's not a good thing to do in general. I think I think so, but I think it, it, it's it's recognizing that you're a douchebag is half the battle, and I think a lot of the time people don't think that they are. Um, oh, one thousand percent. Because they don't have a frame of reference. You know, they haven't been called. They haven't been called out on their behavior because actually everything around them is and every you know the people that's around them the environment that they're around has basically said yeah that's fine so yeah, yeah that way but in a way well it is you're absolutely right but i kind of kind of think that if there was a way that we could force like 
I, I have these thoughts all the time. Like if I was a dictator, how would I do things like rule through fear, but for the greater good. And I kind of think like <laughs> if we could force people somehow, and you know, this is why these are the thoughts that kept me out of the really good schools coyote. If we could force people somehow out of there. What do you mean? Kind of... Wait, wait, pause for a second. What do you mean kept you out of the really good schools? I'm very confused. Now. <laughs> <laughs> What? If I get into any kind of conversa long conversation and like my uh, my my mask of uh, diplomacy and democracy slips, and I become like you know uh, we should you know my my inner despot comes out, um, then uh, people get a little bit concerned. Um, but they don't understand that these are just like thought experiments I have. Like, what would happen if if we did this? What would happen if? Oh, uh... see, like I'm I'm the opposite to you. I don't I don't really like doing thoughts experience uh, experiments. I like to like plan. So mm. I do generally think the way to like do these things is every morning people should line up outside my door, yeah, and I just give them a couple of slaps, like a dirty backhand. Yeah, I was like don't be a douchebag and i feel like that will solve a lot of the world's ills it's like why yeah. are you doing that because yeah. i because i i do i do like i don't know i um i describe myself as that annoying keyboard mm. warrior sjw mm. person at the moment because i because mm. i don't know everything in the world annoys me a little bit i'm just, i'm mm. just annoyed by everything everything annoys you Everything annoys me, man. I'm, I'm. Okay, so like it's, it's, it's only the fear. It's only the fear that I will be completely uh, ruined if uh, everything that comes through my mind comes out and out of my mouth. That it keeps me from saying anything, and it's not because, and it's not because um, I ever would actually do anything, but like I just think there's. So much is wrong in the world, and it's almost overwhelming um, at times. And then you try and look at little things and try and say, well, let's just do this little thing. And you can see that it's a good idea. And then for every person that sees that it's a good idea, there'll be another person that says it's a bad idea. And actually, most people might say it's a good idea, but the people that say it's a bad idea are louder and more obnoxious. So... Um, very little gets done. So, you know, there are times when I am despairing. Um, you need to cut in at some point, uh, Coyote, because I think there might right. be an intervention right. coming my way at some point. <laughs> okay, so here's the intervention. I'm going I'm to give you the intervention. All I right. think you are trying to be nice rather than trying to be good. And I, and I feel like there's like a, there's, there's like a difference between both of them. So I think in your, so in the gap year tweet mm -hmm. about like living in poverty and everything, mm -hmm. you are giving people the benefit of the, of the doubt too much mm. because I, because one thing I now pride, I'm very proud of at the moment is I do not suffer fools gladly anymore. Mm. And I am just willing to just say like, no. Mm. And I, I, and I feel like you're giving people like too much like benefit that, Oh Yeah. And I, I just kind of feel like sometimes we just need to admit that, you know what, that is foolish mm. and we are not going to tolerate it at all. And I feel, 
can I tell the story? Yeah, I'll tell the story. It doesn't really matter. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll disguise the story a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I have like some people in my life, right? Well, one mm-hmm. person in my life, in, in, in the peripheries of my life, mm-hmm. who is a cishet white male who wants a massive pat on the back for doing less than the bare minimum. And I think the, the real, the problem is no one's ever told him that, no, this is mm-hmm. bullshit. And I find I am that person who just goes like, no, mm. we are not doing this. And I feel like some parts of society, some people in society haven't ever got that, no, you've been a dickhead um, message in life mm. before. So they just keep on acting, this, doing the same foolishness over and over mm. again, because like, I feel like our silence and our mm. quote marks empathy mm-hmm. is like sort of like co-signing bad behavior and almost like encouraging it mm-hmm. so like like after i would say a couple of like a few years ago when i got burned slightly i was like mm-hmm. actually my relationship with like one of my i'll say ex-friends now mm-hmm. i literally spent a lot of time co-signing bad behavior and just not saying anything and like trying to be mm. almost too empathetic to shitty behavior. Mm. And I feel like at some point we should just say, no, this is shit. Mm. You shouldn't be acting this way. And I don't think we say that enough. So I, yeah. I, I'll, I'll say that, 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 that was my main problem with the um, um, low paid jobs and applying for social housing tweet. Like, which you already know, like, like I already had a problem with it because I said, um, I have many thoughts. Um, yeah, I know. Because <laughs> I was just like, we could just, we could just say, um, if you're going to dis- be discriminated against people, you're a tool. And mm-hmm. I feel like we should be able to call people who do things like that tools and, mm-hmm. and say that they're very, very silly. Like, I, I feel that is the sensible and the good thing to do. But then mm-hmm. again, I'm a bit of an anarchist and... I'm happy for society to go down in flames. So who knows? <laughs> Coyote, honestly, if it wasn't for the various numbers of fear that I have, for and I, I will freely admit that a lot of my behaviour is reined in by fear, um, and I struggle with that because actually, in my in my more honest, I would say not darkest. Because I don't think that's fair. I think in my most honest moments, I feel very much the same way as you do. Just burn it down. It's it's all wrong. It's I want the etch a sketch end of the world. Do you know when you have etch a sketch again? You mean yeah, and you just like erase everything. <laughs> just like no, no, it doesn't look like Scooby Doo. No, and just shake it <laughs> and just start again. Um, because it's that kind of thing. Is like everything we're trying to build on. Uh, the foundations are rotten and it's just it's 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 no use and yet i still it, I, there is an element of idealism in me still which i think things can change um but the rate of change like the it, it, the the building uh analogy kind of works because like you if if you're building on rotten foundations you could 
fix that house you could you could fix it it'll take time it'll take a lot of planning really careful planning you know you might have to change your plans halfway through you might have to, you know you're gonna have to get people in you're gonna have to ask for committees this that, and the other you know people to come in and give their expertise on this opinion and there might be like countering factors and you have to take out the bits that are really broken and replace them with something else and it's going to cost you a lot of money and it's going to take a lot of time Whereas someone will come along and like tap you on the shoulder and say, why are you doing this? Just knock it down. Just knock it down and start again. You'll get what you want and you'll build it on good foundations. The only problem I have is I'm not entirely trustworthy. I don't think the people who are suggesting we knock it down and start again, I'm not entirely sure that I trust their vision for the future. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, it's a bit of a wishy-washy analogy, and of course, I'm talking vast generalizations. No, I I, 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 I get what you mean. So, like, I would guess, I guess, like, my question now then is, what is your vision for the future? Because I, so, so I, I, I would say, um, I'm one thousand percent an idealist. Mm-hmm. Um, like during my gap year, um, mm-hmm. I volunteered full time with. Um, a charity called City Year, and like they have like this mm-hmm. thing called like the Idealist Handbook. Like, yeah, it was it was a charity, but it's almost like a cult. But like, whatever. I was indoctrinated, and I'm still a believer. But anyway, like, so like the way I sort of try to approach life is, I look at what the perfect scenario is, mm. like, and imagine like money and all the societal injustices and whatnot aren't a thing, mm. and strive my hardest to reach that perfection that ideal as 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 close as as close as i as i can get to that ideal mm-hmm. and i kind of and i and I, I kind of feel like when we um i guess don't say things exactly as what they are mm. we are not actually getting to that ideal at all and mm. I guess it's sort of like with like politics, like we, we all need, we like we definitely need like the Bernie Sanders, mm-hmm. shout out to Tarek <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, and like the Jeremy Corbyn's of the world. Like we, I think we, de- we definitely need like people who are so ridiculously like far to the left to push the, um, to make things a bit more centrist, if you get what I mean. Mm. So I, I, I guess that's where I kind of see myself in terms of like, society in general um so it which kind of like brings me on to um the twitter spaces and stuff that happened yesterday mm-hmm. um okay, yeah. there, was, there, was, there was like a lot of the talk about like um sexual assaults and sexual assaults with in women in particular and one author i would say who's like genuinely changed the way I think about things is mm-hmm. this um, lady called Mona Elfahawi. I'm not sure if I pronounced her name right, but um, there was, she appeared on an Australian TV show once and she literally said, how many men must we kill before they start, before, before they stop raping women? And like her, her like appearance in that show was like literally taken off air and banned and whatever. And I found it really interesting because people were like so, so very triggered by a hypothetical violence mm-hmm. that was also that was also conditional on mm-hmm. men that rape women, well, on mm-hmm. men raping women, 
that and mm. but like people weren't so like shocked about the fact that all these different things are happening to women on a daily basis mm. and i guess it, it, I, I guess like the way she speaks and i guess um reading her work made me realize like the power of language and the way like uh, i feel like i'm ranting a little bit but no, I, no, carry I, basically on. B- basically i think having conversations about things is very very important but mm-hmm. I think even what what is even more important is where we begin that conversation. Mm. So we could have like a conversation about, I guess, in this scenario again, sexual assault, mm-hmm. and you can make it just like a happy clappy, yeah, let's mm. all talk about um, that, and let's all just say sexual assault is a bad thing, and that's where we lead mm. the conversation. Or we could start the conversation from a very very different point and say. Mm-hmm we know sexual assault is a problem mm-hmm. and we know that men are the problem mm-hmm. like men what are you going to do and i feel like that's a very that's a slightly different conversation mm-hmm. because the first conversation is putting the onus on women to prevent yeah. something that they are not causing whereas the second conversation is is recognizing that the issue is actually men and having audacity yeah. and not having in, not feeling they can do whatever they want to do with women's bodies yeah. and yeah, so, so basically, I think where we start conversations is also just as it's important the, as just having the yeah. conversation in general. Yeah, it's the framing of the question, isn't it? It's it's how it's the lens at which it's the pers- it's the perspective at which you look at the problem. Um, it's it's like asking the question like, uh, how can women prevent themselves getting raped? Whereas the actual correct question to ask is how can we stop men or what can men do to stop other men raping women? Or do you know what I mean? It's, there's, there's a, yeah. it's the onus should be the other way around. Like it shouldn't be on like, uh, and it's not to say that there is no merit at all in the question of how do you stay safe? It's not even about being raped. Like how does anyone stay safe in any situation? People should know what to look out for, so on and so forth. But really that's a very small part of it but like you say i think too often the debate around uh crimes against women is is around the women and what they can do and not what men and they you know what is it about men that is making them commit these crimes still because this isn't you know rape in particular is a very emotive thing and it's a huge it's it, it's it's going back into history and i don't know if you've listened to previous podcasts at all uh Claire Day, I won't yeah I, I i've listened but to you know, um in oh sorry go on no sorry no but you know that i have an interest in history and um you know you don't even have to go back very far uh in even in 20th century history to look at how rape is used as a weapon of war. Um, and it's used because of everything that it does, the devastation that it wreaks. It, it, it is a weapon of mass destruction and it has been used as such for centuries. And it is an unfortunate reality of the human condition and the human experience from time immemorial 
But we are now at a state in human history where we can shine a light and communicate with each other in a way that has never been possible in human history and talk about these things and collectively make a decision that this is no longer even even the jokes around it are no longer to be entertained um and it's a very difficult thing for uh people to do because it's that classic it's that classic knee-jerk defensive reaction that a lot of men have which is say it's not all men but that's a cop-out a huge cop-out you know it's just to say well it's not all men meaning well it's not me that's what they're saying i don't do that but like so it's not like a problem the, the thing that really really bothers me like so i, I said it yesterday anyway is mm. 90 95 of my female friends have some sort of sexual assault story mm-hmm. but if you go and ask any guy if they've ever sexually assaulted a woman, they would say no. No. Like, I, I would no. guess maybe 5% would admit to doing it. And, and, and I kind of feel, my biggest thing is I don't like liars. I, and I feel like men need to stop lying. Hmm. That is like my, that is my biggest problem. I, I have been in lads group chats and seen the stuff that is said in there. Like, I, yeah. and it's, not okay at all like the audacity and entitlement Mm -hmm. men have to women's bodies is actually quite Mm -hmm. disgusting Mm -hmm. and i and and i think men need to admit that i and i feel like that's the first step like men need to admit that you know what actually Mm -hmm. we have this um weird entitlements to women's bodies and i don't even i'm not and i'm not just talking about like cishet men like this yeah. also I'm, I'm I'm also including gay men as well yeah. like one of my friends was telling me about um how one of her now ex friends gay friends decided that it was okay for him to play with her boobs because because he's yeah. gay yeah yeah because he's gay and like it was like no like you're invading my personal space yeah. so I, I i i i think it's really really important that we mm address and admit Mm -hmm. to the very very obvious power dynamics that are in play yeah you've used it you've used the critical word there um power dynamic It, it is it is about power and it's about you know going back into history it's been and our human evolution the male of the species is bigger, is denser bones, you know, and for whatever evolutionary purposes, and people can argue about that, that's what happened. Um, and really, we put these layers of sophistication upon it, you know, because we have language, we have art, we have music and philosophy and all of these science and all of these things that we think of as elevating us above the animal. And yet the things that lead to the kinds of behavior that was described, 
yesterday, which was very difficult to listen to, uh, not because, you know, it, 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 purely because it was difficult to hear the emotion that was involved. But it's something, like I've always said, it's, it's important that we look at all of this, all of human experience and witness it and listen to it and reflect upon it and think about ourselves and where we fit in with it. But like I was saying, it's we've barely evolved from being animals. And we, we if we deny the fact that we have this kind of really horrible kind of animalistic lizard brain behavior, which is instinctive and driven by things and just kind of base emotions, anger and uh, all of these kind of like horrible things. If we deny that that exists uh, in our everyday interactions as well, then we're kind of denying the part of ourselves which leads to this kind of violence against women. And I think the important thing is mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it's recognizing that the, this violence isn't necessarily physical. Do you know what I mean? It's not always about yeah. being physical. It's about using your position of power as well, abusing your position of power or not recognizing that you're in a position of power and how that your behavior can be perceived as, you know, on the low end of the spectrum, just being a bit creepy to obviously the high end of the spectrum, which is obviously the sexual assaults and things like that. But it's all part of the same kind of dynamic. You know, it's all it all comes from that same kind of power dynamic. Mm. Like you've just reminded me of something. So I think what's her name? Some uh, it was a lady. Um, I think her name was Lily O'Farrell or something. She was right. on BBC Women's Hour um, last week, and she shared like a series of infographics about like, yes, the, the incels, incels, yes. And that was incredible. First, see, this is why I disagree with you again. Oh, it's not that it's incredible. It's very much credible, but I, I no, no, was... as, as as in like it was great until I saw the until I saw the very very last infographic, and right, it was okay. said something about like, it said something about like empathy is a superpower or something, and that you know I like that one. Um, some incels are violent, and but some are like vulnerable from vulnerable backgrounds and yada yada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just a bit like. If someone is literally going out of their way to kill women, mm. I'm sorry. I do not want to have empathy. I do not want to understand where you're coming from. And it just goes to show like how deeply entrenched misogyny is in our society that even like women are saying, oh yeah, let's have, let, let's have empathy for our attackers. Like what? Yeah. I, no, I, I just, I just found that really odd. The, the incredible thing for me wasn't that bit. The incredible thing for me was uh, learning about all of the language and um, kind mm. of like the, the way they cut the, 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 the lexicon that they had created for themselves. And that was the thing that was interesting for me. It was a very interesting set of infographics, but I know what you mean. Yeah, this is meant to be a lighthearted uh, discussion, Coyote. What have you done to me? <laughs> I'm 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 sorry. I I really do not do lighthearted discussions. No, that's fair. Like enough. all I'm gonna say is just be lucky that you are not like the consultants I'm on placement with. Like oh, my, my god, they suffer. Like <laughs> yeah. 
goodness. Oh yeah, they do. I'm not, I'm not even gonna lie to you. Like I asked them about like their finances, like what their financial advisor told them and everything. Mm. Like, yeah, I, I, I asked, I, I like to, I, I like the, the big questions. I think too much basically. And I, 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 and I like discussing the big topics. Like to I, I could have, well. I could have, I could have, I could have turned the um, Doctor Who conversation into something very, very deep, but I, oh, I, yeah, I, yeah. I chose After. not to. Oh, wait, like very much the same. Like I, I can talk to you about a uh, specific scene in um, one of my favorite shows and talk to you for an hour, two hours about like where it came from, why they did it this way, what they were referencing at this point, and then go into deep dives as to each each of the kind of like influences for this moment. Um, so I think I, I like to do that as well. But, and I, you know, I genuinely enjoy having these conversations, even if it is, you know, difficult because it's, and I said this quote before again, there's, there's this, um, I think he's a writer called Vernon Howard. And I'm very much a believer in the philosophy that he, this particular uh, phrase that he put out, which is, you know, human sickness is so severe that few can bear to look at it, but those who do will become well. And that, mm. the way I kind of interpret that is the worst things, anything that you can imagine, any of the most horrible things that you can imagine a human being doing, a human being has done. And there's probably evidence of it. And there's probably recent evidence of it. And you could probably even find photos of just horrible, horrible things that have happened throughout history, but are also happening now. Denying that that exists, kind of blinkering yourself to the existence of such sickness does nothing for anyone. And it certainly won't do anything for you. But looking at it and really considering where all of that comes from that is you know reflecting upon it is is what will help you get an understanding of what this world is all about and it also takes me back to another movie have you seen the movie seven with brad pitt and morgan freeman is that the will smith movie oh no no, 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 no. And freeman and uh, not seen yeah. it Okay, well, no, I haven't. No. There's a serial killer in there, and he kills people for you know along the lines of the seven deadly sins, and he kills them in like very gruesome, graphic ways. Um, very horrible. And there's this bit in the movie where the Morgan Freeman character, who is a kind of a more wizened detective, and he's dealing with his uh, younger partner Brad Pitt, who is the kind of energetic, idealistic younger detective kind of he's playing that kind of role um and he's talking to him about what happens when they catch him this person that's committing these horrible horrible crimes if we catch him and he is a demon you know he's got horns and red skin and a big pointy tail then that will make sense because he's a demon he's a devil you know but what if we catch him and he's just a normal guy who was born in this country and 
went to school in this country and, you know, ate breakfast cereals the way everyone does. How do you reconcile the behaviour of that person with what they've done? You know, the, the person who that is with what they've done. If it's a devil, it's easy to understand. When it's a man who's brought up in the same society that you've been brought up in, it's less easy to understand. And the point that he's also making is that you have to kind of understand that to be able to catch this guy. Um, and it, it always kind of like sat with me, that idea. Do you, are you, do you, are you, do you understand what I'm trying to, what I'm saying when I'm telling you these? Like, I, 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 I understand what you, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, but I'm, I'm also very much, I'm also very, I'm an idealist, but I'm also very Good. like, Mate, you people have are to be an idealist. <laughs> yeah, people are dickheads. Absolutely, they are. Like, you have to be an idealist. I, I, I love that you're an idealist, because we need the idealists to keep us looking to better ourselves. Always, there's the um who, you know, we have a problem. We need a solution right away in this time frame. Fine, get the pragmatist. That will sort that out. But you need to have the idealists to look beyond where we are now to where we could be and where we should be to create an image of the future to strive for. Um, yeah. So never try, never lose that idealism, mate. Even, oh, and I, I, I don't, I don't plan on ever losing it. Like, good. I am such a loser. <laughs> that, um, <laughs> no, I still. My gap year was in 2011 to 2012. So that, oh my God, wow. Yeah. 10 years ago, I still have my idealist handbook. And I'm not going to lie, every year I look, I read through it just to make sure I'm on the, I guess, straight and narrow and mm. not really compromising on mm. who I am as an individual. Like, so the analogy I always use is, um, have you read have you ever, have you read this book called Brighton Rock? No, I haven't. I have heard of it, but I couldn't tell you what it's about or anything. So please tell me. But anyway, but like in at some points in this book, I think anyway, um, there's like this um metaphor about a stick of rock from Brighton. Okay. And like wherever at whatever point you break that piece of rock, it has Brighton written in the center. Mm-hmm. Right. So that is kind of like how I try to live my life. Mm. So that at whatever point in my life you see me. So whether you know you're seeing me at work, yeah. you're seeing me at uni at uni, you're seeing me on Twitter, even mm. like you know that that is uniquely Coyote and you know mm. that that is me. You're being so you're that, that, genuine that's, self in all parts. <laughs> in all parts and yeah. so basically like I, I i like going reading through my idealist handbook because like there's um these mm. things called pitw's putting idealism to work and it's like just mm. like little things to just you know like remind you of stuff and and i quite like that sort of airy fairy things mm. and just like reminding myself of who i am and how can i in whatever situation I'm in, how can I bring more of myself into it to make sure that this is uniquely me and mm. no one else can do it in the exact way that I did it or, or I would do it, I should say. Fabulous. Have you read 
the meditations of Marcus Aurelius? No, I haven't. You can get it for free on a fantastic website called Project Gutenberg. Just Google Project Gutenberg. And they've actually digitizing a whole thousands of books that are now out of copyright. And of course, the meditations was written, I can't remember, 2,000 years ago. Um, oh, God. In the reign of uh, the Emperor Marcus Aurelius. The interesting thing, the reason I... It stays. It's not a huge book, but the interesting thing about it is that it is one of the unique books in history, which was not meant to be read by anyone other than the person. It's it's the diaries of an emperor, whereas you know things that you can read like, and I have because that's the kind of person I am. As I've read um, the uh, the war uh, the war diaries of Julius Caesar. Those were written specifically for the consumption of everyday Romans. Um, and so it was very, you know, heavily propagandized. You know, it's been studied so much. But like the Meditations was written by a man several, you know, I think it's about two or three centuries after the reign of Julius Caesar when Rome was no longer a republic and it was very much ensconced in being a imperial force and the emperor was essentially like a god amongst men yeah. and marcus aurelius wrote his meditation it's a unique view into the mind of someone who literally had almost the power of a god in his you know specific sphere you know what he said happened his whim, his every whim was catered for. And he grew up knowing that he would have this power. And the way he writes about how he needs to kind of center himself and understand where he is and that he is mortal and all of these things, it's a, it's a uniquely interesting insight into the mind of someone who is given an experience that very few human beings will have or will ever have again. So I think it's something that you might be interested in. So you've given me like three really good recommendations to uh, look into and I will. Um, so I thought I'd repay the favor by giving you a free a recommendation to at least a free book that you can get online because I know you, you know you're a struggling student. Um, <laughs> so speak you for just... yourself I am not a, I had steak for dinner thank you very much speak for yourself <laughs> you know it's just a dead animal don't you um, uh, I won't get <laughs> oh yeah oh, oh, whoops. <laughs> you enjoy your carcass my friend murderer no um, the uh, it, I think it's just uh, interesting. I, I like the taste of the suffering I know I know what? do you know I used to be such <laughs> a I used to be such a meat eating douchebag um, I would say things like, wow. like foie gras was, uh, was made more delicious because you could taste the suffering of the goose that was force fed. I would say, Oh my God. Like oh my. You know? I mean, people still eat foie gras, man. You know, I don't, but people still do and they still know where it comes from. So, you know, people can shed as many tears what I say as much as they like, you know, if, if you're eating it, you're basically accepting that that's the kind of practice that occurs. So I have very little sympathy for people um, uh, when I say shit like that. Uh, now you're going to get my militant veganism out now. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, mate, um, let's move on to the last question. Are you are you done with the tweets, by the way? Because I think we stopped looking at the tweets about half an hour ago. But um, let me see. Let me see. I think I am. I am. I am actually. Well, there, there, there was the one about people making fun of your kids. Yeah, who yeah. Who made fun of your kids? And who do I need to go? Who do we need to go fight? It's not about fighting, man. It's it's more the threat that's important. <laughs> I've never it's... been in a fight in my life, but like yeah. I'm I'm willing to say I'm ready to fight. Oh, good, yeah. good on you, good on you. I'm glad. I'll call I'll call upon you if I ever need to. Uh, but no, yeah. it's all good. It's all good. Actually, it's... Don't, don't 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 call me because <laughs> we will lose. <laughs> Um, I can't fight, but it would be a valiant defeat. That's the important thing. We'll, we'll have right like, on our side, Kyogre. What I will do is I will encourage you to fight, <laughs> and I'll stand on the side and be like, "Thank you very you much. You go, girl. You can do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and just slink away into the background. Yeah, when I inevitably get my ass handed to me. Yeah. Um, yep. <laughs> absolutely. So okay. So if we're done with the tweets, let's move on to the last um, last question, which is a question I ask everyone. And I always caveat this, and people are probably sick of me hearing it. But what is the strangest thing you have ever experienced? See, I've got a range of weird experiences. This is the, this is this is the actual genuine problem. It's hard to choose one. So, like my instinct is to go with one that's slightly more serious, mm. so I'm just gonna go with it because it's the only thing is is one that is just sticking in my head. Um, okay. Many moons ago, you can, you can do two if you want. You can do two. Be... Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll do the slightly serious one that I still laugh about to this day. Okay, so this happened like maybe like eight years ago, and I shouldn't really laugh about it, but like I laugh about it now. But at the moment, at that time, I was like, "Oh my god!" Um, <laughs> so back in the day, I was a TA slash behavior specialist. So I used to work in a primary school where I'd get sent all the naughty children and um, talk to them, do the whole mentoring thing, trying to figure out what's what is the reason behind their behavior, and try to get them to behave in class. So there was this wee boy, I think he was in year one, and let's call him David. And um, David was expelled from school, and I had no idea why he was expelled from school. I was like, Christ, what is a six-year-old being like doing being expelled from school? So anyway, I started off like doing one-to-one -one sessions with David and whatnot, and then I... In, and my job was to slowly integrate him back into like the normal classroom environment. So on day two of him being back in the normal classroom environment, I was sitting with him and there was, there was a supply teacher in the classroom and the supply teacher told David to stop doing something, but he carried on doing it. And anyway, he got sent out of the classroom and had, I took him down to his calming down tent and whatnot. I was like, okay, we're going to calm down and then, you know, set the timer. And when you're done, we'll come out and have a wee chat. So, um, I don't, I don't know why I'm laughing already. It's not funny. It's funny, but it's not funny. Um, so he's in the calming down tent. His six minutes has have elapsed. I was like, okay, David, it's time to come out now. And then he literally pops his head out of the tent and looks me in the eyes and says no and then he utters the words 
I do not listen to people who are darker than me. N word. Oh and it was just gosh. the weirdest experience ever. And I was just like, I was. It was an out of body experience. I was like, what just happened here? Wow. Did that really just happen? And because there was no one else in the room, I began to like doubt my sanity. It's like, what? What? You're six years old. Where are yeah. you learning these words from? But the funniest bit, it's not really funny. Well, the, the the bit that people don't really expect to hear is this was a black child as well. Oh, no. That is, that <laughs> and, is astonishing. Yeah, I, it was just one of those like out-of-body experiences. I was like, what the hell am I? Like, what am I doing here? Like, this is not where my life is, being mm. racially abused by a six-year-old. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, he, he was um, a fun one to mm. work with. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, what what do you say to that, really? I mean, wh- again, I don't want to be the 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 empathetic douchebag here, but I just kind of think, what what a life that kid, what, what has that kid experienced? To make him say these things, you know, that's not come out of a vacuum, has it? Uh, no, well, maybe it, it has. Who it knows? Hasn't. Maybe it has. No, but it, 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 <laughs> well, I have my suspicions. His mom was very, very light skinned. His dad was very right. dark skinned. So I imagine that is something he heard right. at home. That is, he heard his mom say to his dad and stuff. So, it's, wow. so, so it's a bit like, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Yeah. Y'all are screwing up your kids a little bit. Like, mm. do better. Yeah, yeah, it sounds terrible. I mean, that kid must be like 14, 14 now. Oh, yeah, yeah, gosh, I hope he, um, I hope he's doing all right. <laughs> so do I. That is astonishing. I did not expect that, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's a very strange. <laughs> did you want to give me another one? Or, <laughs> well, I guess, I guess, like slightly related, so strange experiences, I guess. Um, seeing like your ex students at university with you is really weird. <laughs> All right, <laughs> like it's 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 like really 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 weird. Like, so I'm at uni. I'm studying medicine in Scotland. Mm-hmm. I grew up in London and worked in London. How two students I used to work with found themselves at my university is beyond me. Mm. Is like re- it's really really weird. Like one of them, I was literally her scribe for her um, A level exams, and then the other one, I was leaving a club and she recognized me. She's like, "Oh my god, are you Mister Oki? Like I remember you. That teacher that used to wear the tight trousers all the time." And I was like, "Cheers, that, mate." That, <laughs> that, is, that is disturbing. <laughs> Oh, it, it is it's really really weird i was like uh... yeah. well i cannot empathize with that because that has never happened to me <laughs> but that is I, definitely like, a strange experience like i really hope i don't meet any more especially the ones that are like even younger <laughs> oh gosh because like because because like one of them so the one i was like oh yeah that teacher they used to wear the always used to wear the tight trousers um she was in year 10 when I was working with her. Wow. So it's going to be like, you know, how have you... Yeah. The system worked. She got into uni. 
So yeah, you know, you, you dude, small, and everything. Yeah, you you play a small like, part in that, you know, and you got to be proud of yourself, <laughs> even if it does make you feel really uncomfortable and old. Uh, <laughs> oh my! Actually, my my favorite one, like well, actually not my favorite. My most recent one is I was out clubbing, and again, I used to I used to run a summer program for teenagers. And I bumped into one of my young people in the club. I was like, hi, you. What is you doing here? <laughs> Are you allowed to be drinking alcohol? He's 20 now. But oh, I was just like, God. oh, my God. What is yeah. this? It's weird. So, so that, I guess those are my awkward moments. Yeah. Nothing makes you feel older than um, seeing children grow up. Like, my... Um, brother-in-law uh i've no obviously i've been with my wife for going on 18 years now congratulations oh thank you we've only been married 11 years so you know i'm still young congratulations it's going on 18 years but obviously i knew her youngest brother when he was a teenager when he's 14 15 and most of my interactions with him were when he's of that age because then he got up, grow old, got, got older, and went to university and so on. This guy is now a, a policeman. And in my mind, whenever I think about him, I imagine, I literally imagine like a 14-year-old wearing a policeman's uniform. I can't, exactly. I can't get that picture out of my mind. It is, it's, and then when I see him, I realize that obviously he's not the 14-year-old I remember. And then I look at myself in the mirror and I go, oh, my God. It, uh, it, it, the time... Like, you know, if time, he's growing up, that means you're growing up, too. That means, yeah, but why haven't I grown up yet? Why am I still... <laughs> That's the feeling I've got, is I still feel oh. like a child inside. Um, so many ways. And, and, and I'm watching you know movies and things with my eight-year-old kid now. And we're really relating because I think that I really haven't, like, matured past that kind of eight level eight year old level of excitement for things yeah i'm watching him watch these movies for the first time and he's just absolutely loving it and all i can think about is like that's exactly how i feel yeah there's nothing that makes you feel younger or older than (laughs) watching children grow um yep there we are coyote it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you I'm so pleased Thank we got to so do this. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's it's genuinely it's my pleasure. I'm so glad to speak to you. I'm so glad to have a young person on the podcast so we can talk about these things and I can be challenged by you and your uh, questions and can you know introspect about things uh, with you. And I I I know for a fact that I will be thinking about this conversation long after it's finished. And that's kind of the Good. biggest compliment that I can give you. Uh, Thank you. Spoken. So, uh, like I said, it's been my absolute pleasure speaking to you. From my producer and myself, we like to say thank you. And uh, I will hopefully speak to you again in the future. I'm hoping to change the format of this podcast at some point into a uh, a genuine echo chamber where we can do the things that we've done like you like you did today, which is bring up topics that have come up and kind of bounce the ideas around and and see where we end up um, at the end of it. So um, you know, and I'm only really inviting 
the people that I really like back on, and you will definitely be uh, one of uh, the people at the top of the list. So please, um, yay, in the future, and thank you again so much for coming on. Thank you. Can I can I do a shameless plug? Please carry on. Plug away. Don't forget to listen to the Sharp Scratch podcast by the BMJ. It is um, aimed at medical students and junior doctors. Basically, talk we talk about all the different things that um, you need to know to be a good doctor, but you don't necessarily learn at medical school. So, yeah, tune in. Ex excellent, excellent. Thank you. Thank you again, Coyote. Well, I think it's safe to describe that episode as a bit of a roller coaster when it comes to emotions. I hope you've enjoyed it. I'd like to take this moment to say thank you for listening. For myself and my producer, Silent Ben, sorry that this episode's taken so long to come out. I think to make it sustainable between myself and Ben's schedules, We'll probably just revert to doing these two weekly. You can find my guest, Coyote, on Twitter at Teak Ayoki. That's T E E K O Y O K I. You can find me at Emergency Bod and Silent Ben Runs at underscore the Echo Chamber. If you want to support the podcast, please go to Buy Me a Coffee dot com forward slash the echo chamber and we hope to see you again soon <laughs>